Amen. Thank you, Kelly and Chen and Tom. And, and uh, I don't know if anybody else was confused, but there was a period of time when Kelly was not seen, but there was still music coming out. And that was uh, Miss Izzy over here, if you couldn't see in the back and you were confused as I was. It wasn't click track. Um, yeah, so Isabel, where'd you end up? Thank you for singing. And all of you kids, man, good work. Good work. That was great. So my name is Mike Gary. I'm the pastor here at Communitas Church. And Communitas is a church that exists to love God and to love people who build disciples um, that, that gather together to walk in the faith, to grow in that faith. And we do this by gathering in groups and generously exploring our gifts and using those gifts to serve in and around the Brandon Lakes area to make more disciples who love God and love people who gather together, that they would walk in grace, grow in their faith, get together with one another in groups, explore their gifts, and generously use those gifts to serve in and around the Brandon Lakes area to make more disciples who love God and love people make more disciples, right? And so um, we have worshipped in a number of different ways this morning. Uh, we worship through gathering, coming together. Did anybody else have a to-do list that seems to be growing longer and longer the colder and closer to, uh, to Christmas it gets? Anybody else? Or am I the only one? Okay. Uh, at, least, at least one other person is not managing their time as well as I am. Good. I don't feel alone. Uh, and so there's, there's a lot of different things that we can do uh, with our time. Uh, but we have chosen, we have elected to get up and look at the, t the thermometer a few degrees below the donut and decide that, yeah, it is still important to come together and to be with one another. This is the beginning of our expression of worship. And especially in this time of Advent where we begin to slow down and we dwell on these themes of hope, joy, peace, and love. And we prepare our hearts, as the songs say, for Jesus' coming. And we remember, and we, we look back to, to the first time he came in, and as we play and, and as we reside in that tension between when he's come and when he's coming again. And it's these themes of, of hope and peace and joy and love that, that build and sustain us and, and give us some grounding in this season amidst the chaos. Otherwise, then what? Then we just get bogged down by our to-do list, right? But we come here and we gather together and, and we sing songs that we would breathe as, as one another. We begin to think and be able to express ourselves with one another. In a little while, we'll, we'll get to the preaching of the Word and, we, and we've worshipped through, through the giving of tithes and offerings. We're also going to worship through communion. And communion is a sacred practice that's celebrated throughout the Christian church. There's a lot of you know, different you know, divisions and subsects and all these different things throughout our church history. But throughout the church history, one of the most common veins that's happened is that folks have gathered together around the meal. Some do it daily, weekly, monthly, some just once or twice a year. But it's one of the things that binds us together. And so we celebrate it here as a way to do two, one of two, two, at least two things. One, it's a reaffirmation to the, for those who partake that we are believers in Christ. Our hope, our faith, our trust is in the Lord, His life, His death, His resurrection. And then it also reaffirms and encourages us and those around us. So how many of you have ever had a moment where you've thought to yourself, I wonder if I'm the only one that believes this? 
Or you think to yourself, I'm, I'm kind of feeling alone. I'm struggling in this. Well, look around the room. We're with you. You're not alone. You can be encouraged. We don't go at this alone. We, we, we talk in hiking. If you want to go far, go alone. If you want to, or if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And so throughout time, the, the Christian church has, has put a pause on the day and partaken in the meal. Even in the, in the very early church, that was one of the things that, that the Romans noticed. Like, we don't really understand it. There's these people, they, they, they take time and like, they orient their day around this meal, around gathering together to, to touch base with one another. I, it just didn't make any sense. And you might look and you go, it doesn't really make any sense either, Mike, because have you seen this meal? That's little. That's a very small table for a very large group of people. But the significance is that it takes time and it, and it, and it harkens us back and helps us to remember that just as the Lord brought the people out of slavery in the land of Egypt and brought them to a promised land, He has also brought us out of our own slavery to sin and into the promised land of His presence. And then we no longer need to seek that out by going to a temple or a designated place, but that the omnipresent, the all-present Lord invites us to come and dwell with Him and seeks to dwell among us. And so that's what we participate in this meal when we get some gluten-free crackers and some juice. So as, as we ponder that this morning, we're going to take a, a time of silence. And if you're, if you're new here and, and, um, and you're kind of kicking around the tires of the faith or, or whether you've been here every week, you know that um, in a group this large that when you have kids, like sometimes they, they make noise, right? Whether, sometimes little kids make noise and sometimes really big kids make noise and they get kind of squirmy. Um, but man, like, this is a time for us to grow in our abilities, right? Like not everybody just comes to the faith and then all of a sudden you can speak Greek and Hebrew and you know all this stuff, right? Like anybody else, faith been a process for them? Yeah, and so we're learning these disciplines together. And so kids, it's always such a joy to spend this time in silence with you and to listen alongside of you and to watch each of you grow in your ability to listen and to pray with us. And adults the same way. How many of us ten years ago would have thought, "Yeah, I'm gonna at some point I'm gonna I'm gonna find myself spending five minutes in silence with a group of 130 people"? Not really a common thing in America, is it? Anybody else have this? You know, just in the workday, just pause. Everybody come to the lunchroom and sit in silence and listen. Yeah, not been my experience either. And so this is a time for us to listen and to, and to ask the question of of who is God the Father and what has He done. Who is God the Son? How did, how did Jesus live his life and how do I live my life as a result of that? And who is God the Holy Spirit and how is God the Holy Spirit working in and through me? Are there specific names and faces, times and places that he's drawing to my attention? And how does that begin to change the way I interact in those situations? Maybe there's, there's a, a person that we're called to share this hope with. Maybe there's, there's some sin that he's going to convict us of. Maybe there's a, a good thing we've been doing that he wants to confirm in us all that we would better convey this message of hope. And if you're in here and you're just going, I don't really know about this church thing. I'm not really convinced about this Jesus guy. We are glad that you are here and we invite you to join with us in this time of 
of silence. And you can ask, so, ask those same questions. And then, if you are a repentant follower of Jesus, we, we practice what's called open communion here, which that means that you don't need to be a member of communitas, but if you are a follower of Jesus, come on forward and grab the elements set out to the left or to the right, and then bring them back to your seat. I'll read some words from Scripture, and then we'll all partake of the meal together. So continue to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day to praise you. We see in the midst of the cold, uh, your sun still shines, and sometimes all the brighter. And so Jesus, we, we pray that um, as we read the, the story about you, that we would dwell on your life, who you are, how you lived, how you died. That we would live our lives in light of that truth. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you continue to convict us of sin, continue to work in our lives, continue to confirm in us those things that we are doing that we should continue to do, that we would draw closer to you in hopes that we would better convey this message of hope to the world around us. Lord, we thank you for the time to gather together. Pray that you continue to speak to us and work in and through us. The last time that Jesus was together with his friends, they, they shared this meal. And, and to share a, a meal in, in the ancient Near East was, was a pretty special thing. It meant that you were going to, to defend that person with whom you're sharing the meal. And as long as they were in your home, they were in your care and in your protection. And you would provide for them. And knowing that despite all this, that despite the fact that they shared this meal and, the, and they participated in this, this custom, knowing that his friends would all abandon him and they'd all leave him and they'd all walk away and they wouldn't defend him, Few would, would watch from a, a safe distance, but they'd all scatter away. He took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to them, and said, take and eat, for this is my body. Knowing his blood would pour out, and the time had come, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you that admit that despite the fact that we turn and run, that we scatter, that you continue to love us. You continue to pursue. So we thank you for this covenant and for your forgiveness, and we pray that that would inform the way that, that we live our lives the way that we love you, the way that we love our neighbor. This time there's some blue buckets that are making their way around. Feel free to, uh, to take your cup and, and just pitch them in there and we'll dispose of them for you. And at this time we have uh, a few different readers who are going to come up. So we got Vern who will be reading our psalm for the day. Uh, Seth will be reading the passage out of Isaiah. Casey will be reading out of Matthew, and Sue will be reading out of James. So if you have a Bible and you'd like to follow along, feel free. Otherwise, the words will be displayed on the screen behind us. So Vern and Seth, Casey and Sue, if you all wouldn't mind making your way up. 
Let's see. So we'll start with uh, with the Psalm passage, which I think is Vern. Yeah, there we go. And so the reason that we do so we we read these these various Advent readings as a way to to prepare, right? I mean, in the midst of of all the things going on in Christmas, it's time to it's a good time to take a, a step back. Um, and if in a lot of the liturgical traditions, um, they would do these this type of reading every week. You do an Old Testament reading, a Psalm, New Testament reading, and the Gospel. But one of the reasons that we do it in the order that we do it is is we try to stay as as chronological as possible because we see this as as a story, and uh, just to kind of help our our Western brains that kind of go A to B to C, we're just going to read this as 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 a, as a, as a narrative um, and see it that way. So Vern, whenever you're ready. Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make him firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness." The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads and they shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. 
As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the latter rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Sue and Casey and Vern and Seth. And thank you, Lord, for your word, the way that it has been preserved and that we're able to get together and gather and read it without fear of persecution. Lord, we pray for your church around the world. This is not necessarily the case. We pray that we would continue to use the resources that we have at our disposal to be able to spread your gospel throughout your good world. Amen. Okay, at this time, kids, you can head on out this direction. And uh, Sue and Kristen and Megan and Sandy and Lonnie, Leah and Eric all have a great lesson planned for you back there. So Lord, we thank you for these teachers. We know that teaching your children is not a second class occupation. We thank you that they would take the time to disciple your kids. We pray that you would continue to give them words to speak and the kids would understand. We thank you for these kids and their energy and their vitality. We pray that we would continue to exemplify what it is to follow and to love you. Amen. Love writes a letter and sends it to hate. My vacation is ending. I'm coming home late. The weather was fine and the ocean was great. And I can't wait to see you again. Hate reads the letter and throws it away. No one here cares if you go or you stay. I barely even noticed that you were away. I'll see you or I won't. Whatever. Love sings a song as she sails through the sky. The water looks bluer through her pretty eyes and everyone knows it whenever she flies and also when she comes down. Hate keeps his head up and walks through the streets. Every stranger and drifter he greets and shakes hands with every loner he meets with a serious look on his face. Love arrives safely with suitcase in tow, carrying with her the good things we know, a reason to live and a reason to grow, to trust, to hold, and to care. Hate sits alone on, a, on the hood of his car, without much regard for the moon or the stars, lazily killing the last of a jar of the strongest stuff you can drink. 
Love takes a taxi. A young man drives. As soon as he sees her, hope fills his eyes. The tears follow at the end of the ride because he might never see her again. Love has been... Er, hate gets home lucky to still be alive. He screams over the sidewalk and into the drive. The clock in the kitchen reads 2.55 and the clock in the kitchen is slow. Love has been waiting, patient and kind, just wanting a phone call or some kind of sign that the one she cares for who's out of his mind will make it back safe to her arms. Hate stumbles forward and leans in the door. Weary, head hung down, eyes to the floor. He says, love, I'm sorry. And she says, what for? I'm yours, and that's it. Whatever. I should not have been gone for so long. I'm yours. That's it. Forever. You're mine, and that's it. Forever. That's the Ballad of Love and Hate by the Avett Brothers, and it sings about the way that love endures past hate. That although hate and, and, and anger can well up within us and overtake us, things like love, forgiveness, and patience endure beyond. So I'm going to look back at Psalm 146 real quick. David is giving us these reasons to praise the Lord. And if we look at Psalm 146, you'll notice that these are all things that we can't do. Right? Blessed is, is he whose help is from the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord who made heaven and earth. Anybody else made any heaven or earth lately? Okay. I'm not alone there. That's nice. Sea? Anybody made the sea before? Made a pond once, but that wasn't wasn't the sea. Anybody make anything that's in them? No? Okay. He keeps faith forever. If we have faith, it has been given to us and kept by the Lord forever. He executes justice for the oppressed and gives food for the hungry. He sets the prisoners free. He opens the eyes of the blind and lifts up those who are bowed down. He loves righteousness. He watches over the sojourner. So that's the one who is seeking. And he upholds the widow and the fatherless. In the way of the wicked, he brings to ruin. And the Lord will reign forever for all generations. In, in philosophy, we would see this as, as, a, uh, as, as a creator who, is, who creates and stays engaged. That's what's one of the things that separates Christianity from many of the world religions is that we see that the Lord creates, makes, and then sustains. Doesn't abandon, doesn't leave, but stays actively involved in our lives. And so we see that David is, is praising the Lord that this happens. And if you know anything about David, um, it's a good thing that the Lord is a sustainer because the dude got chased all around the countryside for a considerable part of his life. And it wasn't always easy. But he clung to that promise, knowing that, that God was so much bigger than him and the struggle that he was facing, and that the Lord would ultimately sustain him. 
And then we fast forward a few hundred years and we get to Isaiah. And, and Isaiah has just been, I mean, like this guy just spent his whole life trying to help the, the leaders of Israel understand what was going on and try to get them to open their eyes and see the Lord, to see that, hey, man, we have been blessed to bless the other nations. We didn't get blessed so that we could just, you know, hoard it all to ourselves, build this big empire. We, we, we've seen how that went in the past. We can look around at the world around us and we see that doesn't end well. Nobody ever makes it, you know, amasses this, this great army and these great fortresses just so they can love well. Usually happens so that they can take more. He says, you, you've got to get this. You've got to understand. You've got to see the, the way that the Lord is, is calling us to be different. He set us apart and now he's asking us to be dedicated to him. And then in Matthew, I just I love this this interaction. This is great, right? So uh, we read it last week about John the Baptist is out and he's and he's declaring and he's saying, "Hey, you know, there's this one that's that's coming. He's coming and he's going to make all things new. He's going to just going to change the world. He's proclaiming this to the people and and the people are are you know they're, they're getting it and 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 John's kind of. You know, he, we we read last week that he's he's calling the the Pharisees and the Sadducees to the carpet, right? I mean, he's just like bold and brazen, right? And then just a few chapters later, he's sending his disciples back to his cousin Jesus to be like, "Hey, um, are are you the the Messiah?" And now we remember. So what's happened is is um, there was a uh, one of the rulers in that area had. Uh, decided that he didn't like his wife anymore, but he really liked his brother's wife. And so he got rid of his current wife and, and locked her up far, far away. And, uh, and then he took his brother's wife. And John was like, um, that's not okay. You don't get to be called the king of the Jews and then do things that are absolutely against what we believe. That's not okay. And this guy said, well, too bad. Go to jail. And he locks John up in prison. And John's thinking, okay, this is going to be all right. Like, I've, I've, read, I've, I've read the Old Testament. And uh, it says when the Messiah comes, you know, the, the, the eyes of the, the blind will be, will be opened, the lame will run like a deer, and, and the prisoners will be set free. Cool. All right. So when he sends this, to, to this message to Jesus, and he's like, hey, are you the one? Because he's kind of thinking, hey, you know, like, I've got an idea of how these things are supposed to go, and, uh, and they're not going that way right now. I had this pretty different idea, Jesus, of how the kingdom was going to go. I thought like David, you know, Solomon, when, when people were coming to us and asking us all the questions, and, you know, we were providing answers, and we had wealth, and, and stuff was good. I thought that was what was going to happen. But right now, I'm still sitting here in my, my camel's hair, and I'm in prison. Not quite what I saw. Not quite what I had in mind. And Jesus sends him this message back. And I just love it. And he just says, hey, hey John, uh, here's, or, you know, he's talking to the disciples. And he says, well, just go back and, and tell John what you see. Those who couldn't hear can hear. Those who couldn't see can see. 
those who can't walk can walk. Essentially, hey, uh, the messianic promises are happening. Am, am I the Messiah? Well, the messianic promises are happening. And so I think there's, there's two things going on here. One is, is Jesus is inviting the people to, to observe. You know, it's, it's one thing for me to tell you that, hey, Jesus is the Lord of my life. It is another thing entirely for you to see the way that Jesus has changed my life. It's one thing for me to, to read off various sections of, of systematic theology and, and how that is, and, and, and try to convince you of that being true. But it's something entirely different when you say, oh, you know, I, I used to notice you were this way and now you're this way. Or I tell you, hey, I used to be this way and now I'm this way. And it wasn't because of anything other than Jesus my maker creating and sustaining me in some way and seeing that through to the end. There's also a piece that, uh, and so Matthew is really good at, at kind of speaking with really great imagery. And he also knows that he's being persecuted and he's being chased. And so he's got to write it a little bit, a little bit cryptically. Because he's like, I, this thing is worth dying for, but I'm not going to speed the process up if I can avoid it because i got to get this message out to as many people as I can. And so then we, we move on to, to James chapter 5. And James says, hey, I need you to establish your heart, which I love, I mean, just in light of, of the Advent season. You can just love this, right? Because he says, I need you to establish or, or strengthen. Some of your translations may say, I need you to establish or strengthen your hearts in the Lord. I need you to be patient. And, and this is helpful. I mean, and I, I don't want to bag on, on systematic theology. It's very helpful. Okay? And if you get the chance and you have the bandwidth to read it, certainly do that. Because that can help strengthen and establish your heart. And there are certain things that help us kind of hem and, and guide us. And James is here and he's, he's kind of laying some groundwork and he's giving them some really specific things. Say, hey, you, you got to be patient with one another because we're in this, this tension-filled time. But if you remember, there was life before Jesus and then there was this cosmic coming of Jesus and now life is pretty different. Anybody ever met Jesus and then walked away the same? Nope, not throughout history. Hasn't happened yet. And so James is saying, in light of that, we need you to establish your hearts. In the Advent season, we say, make room for the Lord. I need you to be patient. And this idea of patience is actually antithetical to the idea of anger. So anybody, I know that, you know, this is northern Minnesota. We tend to be kind of a passive-aggressive culture you know we kind of just take all the anger and just stuff it but has anybody ever felt anger before anybody okay i'm not alone this is nice yeah this is good the irish german guy feels at home okay um and and has anybody's anger ever welled up in them to where they were no longer thinking rationally and acted uncontrollably yeah, okay all right I'm, I'm not alone here again yeah yeah okay um so this idea of patience 
as I said, is, is directly antithetical, directly against the idea of anger. And in fact, uh, it, it creates this word picture. So what, what, the, what James would have, how James is explaining it is it creates this word picture of, of patience goes further than anger. There's a limit to anger and patience moves past that. Just like the Avett brothers saying about love going further than hate, patience goes further than anger. As we see on the cross that, that all of, despite all of our sin, forgiveness goes further, right? And so what is it that we're trying, that, that the, the authors are trying to, to point out to us is that the Lord is here. The kingdom is here. How many of us have had our eyes opened to the glory and the grandeur of God? How many of us have had our ears opened to the words of truth from the Lord? How many of us who had no ability to walk on the highway of holiness are now being sustained as we tread along the way to the glory of the Lord? How many of us have found ourselves in various prisons, both either created by ourselves or by our circumstances, from which the Lord has set us free? The messianic promises of Christ are coming true because His kingdom is here. And so as a result, will we establish our hearts Will we continue to strengthen ourselves in the Lord and make our souls a more roomy place for Him to reside? Why is it important? This is how we've been created. You have been created to walk with the Lord. We spent a fair bit of time in Ephesians talking about we've been created in the image of God to imitate God and to walk with Him. And if we don't, what happens? What happens if we don't understand this? If we don't understand that the Lord is here, we'll become impatient. As Isaiah said, we'll, where there's no more grumbling, no, like if we don't get this, we'll, we'll continue to grumble. Continue to be angry. Apathy will set in. We'll begin to create or we'll stay in our own personal prisons. And it's interesting because we, you know, we all know that we can't, we didn't make ourselves. We can't sustain ourselves. But I, I don't think, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably not alone in this that I still try to. I still think that I can do that, right? I think, oh, I can do this on my own. I got this. I can do it. I'm going someplace. No, I don't, I don't have it. I'm not going anywhere. Not without the Lord. And so often we seek our own vision of what the kingdom is and not God's, right? We find ourselves identifying with John the Baptist going, I had this going differently. Prison and pain was not quite what I had in mind. So what do we do as a result? We accept this invitation from the Lord 
to get on the highway of holiness. And we begin to see Jesus's life and death and resurrection. We see the way that that breaks humanity from the prison of sin. And so from that time, we've been participating in the counterattack on the fall. So how do we do this specifically today? Well, let's be patient with neighbor, with self. I love that James says, hey, consider the prophets. Let's think about Isaiah for a second, right? So he lived in, in Jerusalem, was probably part of the, the palace court, so he's in on all the discussions, right? If he lived in Minneapolis, he'd hang out on Capitol Hill, he'd talk to the politicians, he'd talk to the governor, he'd talk to the lobbyists. He'd be in on those discussions. He'd be in her, in a room. And he sat through three kings. Two of them were horrible. Like, not just like, oh, I don't really like this guy and we're, you know, hopefully he'll be out in eight years. No, like he was bad. Like there were two kings that was evil. And he sits underneath both of them and he waits until like the very end of his life before there's finally like a halfway decent king. I don't know if I have that patience, right? Like anybody else? The Lord is going to build that in us. And so how do we strengthen our hearts? Well, we consider Psalm 146 that the Lord has made the earth and all that is in it. That's you, that's me, that's all of us. And he keeps it and he sustains it. We praise a God who is active in our lives, who continues to seek us out, and continues to invite us to come along. Invite us to be with Him. The theological term for this is sanctification, right? He's set us apart. And then as a result, we're to dedicate ourselves to Him. We're to look at at the to-do list, we're to look at the calendar, we're to look at the finances, we're to look at every facet of our life and say, okay, how do I structure my life in such a way that God's glory would be known and that I would know God's glory? The tricky theological word for this is consecration. How do I dedicate myself to the Lord? How do I, how do I prioritize all that is in my life so that the Lord would be able to speak to me, work in and through me, that I would be able to give glory and honor to the Lord. And I wouldn't be hung up with my circumstances. So maybe one, one way to start, if you've got some time this afternoon, this evening, maybe just read through Psalm 146 again. It's a pretty short one. Just read through that. Notice the verbs that he makes, he keeps, he opens, he lifts, he loves, he watches, and he reigns. And then allow that to form your prayer. And then let's look at our, our words, our attitudes, and consider our reactions to various circumstances, either to what's happened in the past few days or maybe what's coming up in the future. Are we anxious? Are we worried? Are we stressed out? Are we angry? Are we joyous? How is the Lord informing that? 
And then where are we searching for hope? How are we expressing our joy? Is it in things which are temporal and will satisfy quickly? Or are we able to see the long-range trajectory of the Lord and to consider the eternal satisfaction from his presence? And to look into John's questions. How do you see Jesus? How do you see him? Who is he to you? And then maybe take some time to think about in what prison do you find yourself? What has you bound up? Why? Maybe take some time to, to praise the Lord over prisons and circumstances that you've been brought out of, been released from, set free from? How does that begin to shape who Jesus is and how you see Him? And what reality is He trying to get you to see in the midst of this time? And finally, just and when we think about consecration, how do we... You know, sometimes it can be kind of daunting, right? You sit there and you just think, man, you know, I, I'm looking at my life and I'm looking at Jesus' life and whew, I'm just not there. And I don't know if there's going to be enough time in this life for me to get there. Anybody else ever felt that? Yeah, right? Like only those of us who haven't and liars. And, uh, and, and so when we're honest, like it can be kind of defeating. We, we think about all that the Lord has done and, and all the opportunity that we have and all the opportunity that we've taken to, to totally blow it. And yet, the Lord says, no, 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 my forgiveness goes beyond your sin. My love goes beyond your hate. My patience goes beyond your anger, your grumbling, and your apathy. And my forgiveness goes far beyond your sin. And then he just says, hey, so in light of that, what's, what's the next right thing you know to do? Maybe it's to stop doing something. Maybe it's start doing something. But the Lord will bring things to our minds and invite us to be faithful in that. When we're faithful in the little things, it gives us the ability and the strength to be faithful in the big things. So let's just try that. We'll do one step. And so as you consider this Advent season, as we take that moment to pause, what is the next right thing you know to do? What does patience begin to look like in your life? And what would you do to further establish and strengthen your heart for the Lord? As a, as a way of encouragement, you all are doing at least one thing right now. Right? We all agreed that we had plenty of things that we could do. There are plenty of options for us this morning of ways to fill our time. But we've prioritized the Lord and prioritized the body. We've come together. Some of these questions will be considered in our communitas groups. If you're, if you're in a communitas group, that's another way that you're taking to establish your heart to strengthen yourself, to strengthen the body, to do that next right thing you know to do, to create the space for the Lord to work. So we're already doing this. 
We're taking part in the messianic promises and they're coming true. So as the musicians begin to make their way back up, as we, we read the words of the Lord, we, we remember and we remind and we rejoice. And so let us remember that the Lord is here. The Messiah has come. And let's remind one another that love, patience, and forgiveness prevails. And let's rejoice that He sustains those which He's set apart. Stand and let us sing in light of this truth. The Lord and Maker of all that is seen and unseen has made you. He's created you. And He sustains you. And as our eyes begin to, to open, He begins to open them more. And, as, and our, hear, our ears that are stopped up and long to hear, He opens them. And our mouths, He gives us the words to speak that we would sing of His glory and tell others of His love, His joy, His peace, and His hope. May your hearts be established in this truth. May your hearts be established in what the Lord is doing in and through you and among us. And let us rejoice that the Lord who has made us sustains us and will see us through. If you have kids in the back, go ahead and grab them, hustle them back up so they can be with us again. Join us in the back for some simple carbohydrates and some caffeinated beverages. I hear there's lots. Have a great week. Go in peace.